podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Propo, good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my man. All good. All good with you. 2023, what are your New Year resolutions to get better at picking, I'm assuming? To, to get a few Drew Locks right. Hey, yeah. it started well. I mean, the New Year has started well for me, right? I mean, we got um, we got the, the Drew Lock train back on the tracks, and now I'm, what am I now? Well, hey, more importantly than what my record is, it means that Coco and Pebbles, back off. I know. Just go back and forth week <laughs> yeah. and week out. You're going to keep doing this. You keep getting so close to dropping below 500. You're on 500 and then you win and you're back and you're comfortable and then you'll probably lose again. But no, masterstroke from you last week. Masterstroke from uh, Tom Collins. Crystal Collins Crystal getting back Tom. to uh, form, winning the Acker and winning his Drew Lock of the Week. Uh, the less said about my week, the better. Wasn't your finest hour, Propo, I have to say. But you've had many, many. So it's fair enough that sometimes you're going to cool a little bit, right? So just like I've steeled myself too over the last three months, you're going to take the rough with the smooth, Propo. And you'll be back. I can feel it. You'll be back this week. I think the lesson that I learned last week, and it's one that we can all learn going into this week especially, is don't necessarily put too much emphasis on the fact that certain teams don't have anything to play for, mm-hmm. playing against teams that do have something to play for. I thought the Houston Texans going into it with Lovey Smith, everyone motivated to try and finish the season strong, play for their contracts next year, would override mm-hmm. the fact that Jags essentially have a win and in-game this week. And I thought the Jags would necessarily rest a couple of starters, and I still thought it was a divisional game. Four and a half points was quite a lot. I think, what, they lost by about 27 and the Houston Texans couldn't stop the Jags at all whatsoever and couldn't pop any offense. So, yeah, my Sunday wasn't very fun. That I doubt it was. I doubt it was. And, you know, we we chatted a bit about it on WhatsApp, didn't we, that you could overthink it because overall my Drew Lock came in, which I was obviously very happy about. But overall, with the exception of one bad beat, a pretty good slate all around. And I was speculating to you that the reason why I think maybe been overthinking some of them, some of the picks th- this season. So kind of back to... Back to gut feel instinct. Although this week is what we're definitely the trickiest of the season, right? Week 18, I think we're in a note that week one is. Yeah, I'd say week one's spot. probably, I'd say week one's trickier than week 18. Trickier than week 18, would you? I think so. I'd say week one's because you really do not have any idea of what's going to happen, let's be uh, honest, in week I one. I guess, I guess so. You know, you just got so many. We'll get into a number of games today, of course, but there are so many games where, depending on how other things are playing out, the backdoor cover could be rolling in left, right, and center. You know, there are a number of teams that will definitely have starters factoring at some point, but conceivably will pull them at some stage of proceedings. Then I suppose to your point, you got to factor in, well, okay, does that automatically mean there's going to be regression from that team if the if the second stringers are in? Not always, right? It doesn't always mean it just gets so complicated to work out in this in this situation. You don't know, for example, if the Bucks are going to be playing many, any of their starters for mm. how long? You don't know if the Giants have gotten zip to play for, right? They're locked in in their spot, whatever happens. They can't go up or down in terms of the playoff ladder. How much are we going to see of Saquon, of, of Danny Dimes? And as a result, how does that affect whether you go in on those games or not? And so many games are in that mix. Even, you know, teams like Philly, who I think will win comfortably, Dallas, who I think will win comfortably wide open for a backdoor cover because those those numbers are so big. I think one thing to be considered as well going into this weekend is teams who have nothing to play for going up against a team who have something to play for going into the final week of the season generally mm. have covered at just about over 60% against the spread. And I think that co- covers um, a research analysis of over 100 games as well. Mm. So I think, and that isn't necessarily saying the Giants are going to go and beat the Eagles. That isn't saying that these teams are going to go out and keep the games close with their backup starters. I think it probably is a reaction to the market over yeah. analysing and overthinking the extent to which these backups coming in, the extent to which the fact there isn't as much motivation for certain players holds. And I think when the market overreacts like that, that's when you take advantage of it and you can actually get more value on the other side of proceedings. I mean, just Mm. to take something, just to put one into, we have such short memories and there's such recency bias with the NFL. Mm. I mean, do you remember, I'm pretty sure the Colts were what, a 14 and a half, 15 point favorite against the Jags 
at home last season. The Colts only needed to beat the Jags, who were one of the worst teams in the NFL. Right. They only needed to beat them to make the playoffs. And Carson Wentz had a complete meltdown. And yep. Trevor Lawrence had one of his best games of the season. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's going to be an interesting show, I think, is what we're saying here. Trying to work out what the hell we're going to uh, get behind. Have you got your Drew Lock sorted, haven't you? I have got my Drew Lock sorted. Is uh, let's let's be put let's be uh, frank here. I'm going back mm. to basics. Back to basics. See, I like that attitude, propo. I don't think it's going to serve you well. I've got a couple <laughs> inevitably on my shortlist that uh, I will decide when we get to crunch time. Crystal Tom will drop his in as well. Uh, he's still in charge of the Taylor Heineke Yacket. How did his Taylor Heineke Yacket do last week? I can't it won. remember. Won. It won. Yeah, yeah, just won. Okay. Taylor Heineke Yacket won. He uh, Tom Collins rip roared back into form. Uh, he had nice. the charges. And then I can't remember who was in his acca, but I know it definitely came in because I got <laughs> okay. a very, very happy text and gif from him. Ah, Crystal to back in business. That is uh, what I like to see. It was never in doubt, uh, quite frankly, proper. So we've got all that to get into. We're going to rattle through a lot of games, actually. Uh, I and Mike and uh, me are in the vault with our review show on Monday. And of course, that show was recorded before uh, the extraordinary uh, chain of events and the extraordinary situation uh, that has... I guess being one of the most traumatic anybody involved in in football has been through. You and I were messaging each other uh, the morning after it. Um, I've been away, as as listeners will know, been in in Paris and back now. So I had the uh, experience of listening to the game, listening to Monday Night Football, and having the whole thing play out. You and I chatted the, the very next morning and were i guess lost for words uh, 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 which is a rare thing for me for certain and at the time i think we were very pessimistic about the outcome right particularly as there was a prolonged period of time that there was no official news coming out of the bills camp and it felt like we should expect the worst which may have made the last, has made, I should say, the last 24 or so hours all the more extraordinary, all the more um, remarkable and life-affirming because it seems that everything is going to be okay. It seems like Damar Hamlin is going to be fine. And that was a very real chance that we'd be having a very different conversation right now, Propo. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, I stayed up to watch the game. We were discussing it on last week's Edge Rush. And it was one of those moments where as soon as the injury took place and everything started to materialise, as the time went on and on and on, it suddenly got a little bit more sinister and it got a bit more severe and you start getting that sort of feeling you have in your stomach. Mm. Me and you have seen it before. Well, UK listeners have seen this before with... Fabrice Muamba, we went through it when mm-hmm. Bolton played Spurs, I think probably about 10 years ago now. And yep. then, of course, Christian Eriksen in the Euros. And I think it's pretty safe to say that it never gets easier, these situations, because it just is so shocking and alarming that these kinds of things can happen right in front of us. And I just wanted to start by saying how brilliant it is to see the positive reports regarding Demar's health coming out. And I think it's a major credit to his strength as a human being. Mm. And also, I think we have to say a humongous credit to the medical professionals. Bill's athletic trainer, Denny Kellington, was the one who administered CPR to Demar Hamlin on the field. And it's considered to be that his actions were a vital reason as to why Demar Hamlin has been able to recover in the way that he has. And he mm. has been able to make this progress. He's moving his limbs at this moment in time. He had managed to write down and ask who'd won the game. Yesterday, he's making content. Yeah, I love know, the fact brilliant. that was one of the first things he's. He I know it's amazing. That's one of the first things, and also it must be what a feeling for him when they said. So of course, the game. I mean, obviously, what did you see? What the um, medical professional said to him after he said that? You won the game of life. Yeah, you won the game it. of life. Exactly. So, I mean, it is truly amazing. But Denny Kellington has to be yeah held in such high regard. I mean, he's potentially made the greatest play in all time. Well said, man. That beautifully put. That I I, I couldn't agree more. And there have I mean, so many things to, to talk about here. The way the community came together, and I don't just mean fellow players and coaches and and those associated directly with teams, although that image and a lot of still imagery, some of it pretty arresting and, and, and pretty shocking. Uh, but that image of Burrow mm. holding, um, you know, linking hands with 
with one of the bills and just all of that sea of bills players understandably fraught and terrified burrow in the mix with them i thought was 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 a particularly compelling shot so much of the nfl community the wider nfl community pulling together really really important to note the involvement as you say of, of the medical staff uh and how quickly they acted and, and how quickly they they sorted things out which is is evidence from the quote you've just read i think was, was fundamental in ensuring the 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 outcome that we've seen but then also i think the supporting elements of this so i was listening to it on game pass and so listening mm. to the espn feed right and it's interesting watching the reaction to to this and and of course then inevitably with a, with a situation like this idiots like skip bayless and and others who um just just reprehensible creatures frankly that side of it too unfortunately and people sharing their footage um i'm not saying everyone slating who's... t higgins as well oh, i mean people slating t higgins i mean insane. unbelievable idiots i mean insane but the flip side of that that really i felt measured composed broadcast especially from buck and aikman so if because i guess that the um if, if over here some of you would have watched it on game Pass, some of you on on channel five right and our friend greg of course and you're watching that coverage and you're saying yeah. how brilliant greg was on that the footage i was watching had um the espn studio and it was difficult for someone like adam Schefter, you know put in that situation god it's difficult for any broadcaster you mentioned the fabrice moamba incident at the time I was with ESPN, the first time I was with ESPN, I was with ESPN and back when ESPN had the the live Premier League rights before BT got them. And Rebecca Lowe, who's since gone on to great things in the States for NBC, was anchoring that game. And I remember how deftly and how calmly and gently she handled that situation. And it was a masterclass in broadcasting, really. And I felt that the ESPN team handled it really really well i mean it's a, a a nightmare situation for anybody to have to face because it brings the harsh reality to something that we love m minimizes in an instant the importance of the thing that we love and puts it in perspective and it, it and it, is it was literally a question of, of life and death playing out in front of you and there's as a broadcaster there's nowhere to go as in you can't throw to this. You've got to be so careful, obviously, with the tone. And you are reliant, really, on information coming through, which is drip-fed through. Mm -hmm. And um, it did, of course, as that the delay prolonged and the broadcast was rolling on and social media, of course, humming along in the background, begged the question, why wasn't the game pulled earlier? Why wasn't the game... It was in no no way shape uh, at all do you looking at that and thinking well yeah they're going to carry on playing after this like no after us and is that because we have the benefit of being through having gone through the moramba the ericsson incident yeah i think so i think so i mean denmark uh i can't remember who they carry on didn't they it? carried yeah. on yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they carried on which retrospectively seems absolutely insane uh to be completely honest with you because of what we just witnessed on Monday night and the fact that you knew as soon as you saw any of the players' faces that there was no way this game could continue. And I think there are, I saw a report from someone who used to work for the NFL in terms of logistics. And he said, logistically, there was always going to be a delay anyway and them cancelling the game because of the effect that it can have on just the outside area in terms of traffic you could actually affect right. the ambulance getting to the hospital if you suddenly cancel the game yeah, immediately. yeah yeah of course and yeah. obviously everyone will rush out so there are logistical aspects to it mm. but yeah i thought it was inevitable that they did cancel the game and it was bizarre the how long it did take like i still yeah. think as much as maybe there were logistical aspects to it it felt insensitive it felt like they were just waiting to see if they could get any news on damar earlier so they could continue they could carry on yeah and obviously yeah, seeing yeah. the logistical nightmare that we've seen as a result of it you can understand now why the nfl being as i think james sandrini put in our group chat run by lawyers 
were trying to avoid this game being cancelled or not being played that night as much as they possibly could. And I think we knew this game was going to get cancelled as soon as Buffalo went home. They were either going to play on the Tuesday night or they weren't going to play at all because of scheduling and because you can't move the Super Bowl and all of those different things. Mm. But I think with all that considered and everything with all the pressure on the NFL and the way they have handled it, the two people who I think you have to give a considerable amount of credit to are Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott. Mm. I think they need to be commended insanely highly in incredibly difficult and sort of unprecedented is obviously the word we use all the time Mm. in these scenarios, but it is an unprecedented circumstance. I feel they both demonstrated incredible and exceptional leadership and conscientiousness. And yes, I criticize Zach Taylor pretty frequently on this show. He's not Mm. a footballing mind like McVeigh or Shanahan, but I think what we saw on Monday night was and in his press conference and the way he's spoken ever since the incident took place is that he is a sensational leader. He's a sensational person. And now you can fully see why players love and believe in him. And the exact same goes to Sean McDermott. The fact that Sean McDermott went up to Zach Taylor after the game and said, look, there's just no way that I should be coaching this game. I should be in the hospital with DeMar. Yeah. A level of humanity that it's great to see from these coaches who obviously have such high pressure jobs in such high pressure situations. The fact they can handle themselves in that way is remarkable and they deserve a lot of credit as well as everyone in the community for the way there's now 5 million in the toy fund for DeMar, the way they love that. that. It's absolutely brilliant. But I think it's important in the negative situations like this is always COVID, anything like this, when we have one of these insanely sad occurrences it's always important to learn things and i think there's two things we can learn i'm going to reiterate this one again medical professionals are real life heroes and Mm. a note for this country in particular in this time nat they deserve to be paid as much as they possibly can be well said yeah they deserve as much as they want and they deserve deserve all the respect in the world because that could be one of your family members that could be one of your friends and you want someone as highly trained as possible in that situation and they're incredible. And the second one is basically reiterating, you might have seen it, uh, what Dominique Foxworth said on the Mina Kimes podcast. Did you mm. see this? No. So Damar Hamlin, according to the league's rules, is not eligible for any health care if he retired today. Because of how long he's been playing? Only because, a yeah, because he's only been in the second year and mm. you have to play three years and three games minimum to earn five years of healthcare post-retirement, which is unbelievable. Allowed. Only five years of healthcare post-retirement. Considering what these players do to their bodies, considering everything we've discussed around CTE, looking at what's happened to two yeah. of this year with concussions, the fact that you only get five years of healthcare yeah. past retirement, plus that's only if you played three years and three games, seems crazy. And also that seems backwards about the three years and three games things, because a lot of those people who will leave the league will probably be leaving the league because of injury issues yeah. and because of things that have happened during those first two years. And they're also people who have invested their whole time and their whole young life into becoming NFL entire players. Life, yeah. And yeah, they're literally their entire life into becoming young NFL players. And they might get an injury, which means they can't necessarily go into construction work or it might yeah. deeply affect what they can do post this career. Mm. And the fact that you don't get healthcare at all, if you play three years and two games of NFL football, considering the physical strain, like strain that puts on your body, the mental strain that puts on your mind is insane. So I think that's one thing, if we can take anything from this in terms of going forward, and obviously it's incredible to see DeMar making the progress, but someone like DeMar Hamlin, someone like Tua Tungavailoa, they deserve healthcare from the NFL. Look, you're a massive business. You're one of the richest corporations in the world. You can pay for these players who are putting their body through it week in, Mm. week out healthcare for a considerably more amount of time than five years and also if they're playing in their rookie year they deserve healthcare for at least five years well said man i mean i am certain that there'll be a legacy uh move here that that will be you know healthcare for all i mean it, it has to be right there's mm. too much of a a light that's been shone now on something and that's the incredible thing that it takes a an incident like this a situation like this to facilitate that kind of change to have exactly. that discussion on that kind of change it's army um quickly what are your thoughts on the bills bengals game being cancelled and the implications of that yeah i know i was writing a bit about this the earlier on today i mean again in in the context of everything that that we've we've been saying it s- still kind of feels trite although there's all this, all this good news positive news coming out now it still feels a little bit trite to be getting too worried. Too it does, that's, it, you know, and that's but, my opinion being a bengals fan like i've seen bengals twitter has been in uproar i won't lie since right 
Because it's basically like giving the Bengals a loss. There's been a lot of arguments. We're seven three up, you know, and everyone's oh. like, "You're seven three up with six minutes into it, guys. Relax." Please. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if if that was the case, Matt Ryan would probably have like what two Super Bowls by now if you uh, <laughs> if you finish the game after yeah. six minutes. But yeah, it's yeah. um, I just think as much as obviously it kind of takes away any possibility the Bengals can get the one seed. There was a low chance anyway with mm. the Chiefs always likely to win that game, and I think mm. that the AFC Championship game should be played on a neutral field realistically I think I, I think it will Chiefs. I yeah. think it I think it will be you know and I think that's the, that's the fairest outcome My only thing is I do think that potentially if the bill if Cincinnati go to Buffalo in the playoffs yeah I think that should probably be played on a neutral field as well that's my only other suggestion Oh, I see. Okay, because otherwise I, I think, we had a fair chance of getting the second seed over Buffalo, and so you'd have. I see. Yeah, that that's that uh, gets convoluted. Uh, will they do that? They'll def. I, I think they're they're likely to move the championship to a neutral field. Yeah, I think so. I don't think have... they'll move the Bengals one, no. but yeah, everyone's moaning but about it. It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Really, I mean, if there's a no. week where we yeah. should remember, it really doesn't bloody matter. Then this is that week. But they're gonna have a meeting today about, it, aren't they? The NFL. So by the time you're listening to this pod, you might well know the answer to that. But it is widely expected that it will be neutral territory for the mm. championship game the the bills bengals game won't be replayed and as you were all right then so where the hell are we going to start should we go jags titans first i think we should i yeah. think we should i am really fascinated by this game josh dobbs baby the josh dobbs revenge tour so josh dobbs i mean they they obviously feel dobbs Dobbs can sling it a bit. I mean, you know, you look look at his numbers against Dallas. They weren't impeccable. He had about a 50% completion rate, had a pick, had a touchdown, 200 odd yards. But I mean, compared to where they were with Malik Willis, who literally couldn't throw, throw yeah. ball, then it gives him a gives him a puncher's chance, doesn't it? I mean, the Titans have been a mess since, and this is the thing, Propo. Do you remember, we we talked about it a lot in the off-season coming into this season about Tannehill, right? And Tannehill was one of the one of the more interesting stories coming into this season. Should the Titans move on from Tannehill? And they drafted a young quarterback that's a development project and loads of Titans fans. We he's not our guy. We need to, we need to upgrade. I mean, what they would give for Tannehill in this run in, and in this game now, since he's went down, they've been averaging 10 and a half points per game. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> I know it's great to be fair they're probably only averaging what like 17 points with him in the game those seven points those seven points the third of their points the uh our friend Greg Rosenthal who uh, I'm sure many of you know anyway writes his weekly predictions column for NFL.com we talked about it when Greg was on the show a couple of weeks back he's bang on point as well with a lot of them he made a really interesting point alluding to the number of injuries that the Titans have had particularly defensively and they're getting Autry Mm. and a few others back for this game but he said something along the lines of paraphrasing it, their team on IR might be better than a number <laughs> of number of other units in the in the NFL or words to that effect. Uh, they have been Tennessee, I think, the unluckiest team out of mm-hmm. out of everyone in terms of key injuries. And defensively, they're so fragile. Um the line is interesting here because what is it? Is it up to seven? It's six and a half. So it's six over to seven, where it mm. got bet down to six. And has just gone back up to six and a half. Obviously, Tennessee looking to snap a six-game losing mm. streak. They are 0-5-1 against the spread mm. during that period. And as you said, 10 and a half points per game since week 12. Jacksonville, on the other hand, four-game winning streak. Yeah. Six, one and one against the spread over their last eight games. But that, do you know who Josh Dobbs reminds me of? Who? Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. He's got those big plays where he can make an incredible Mm -hmm. play out of nowhere. And then he's got that boneheaded play where he just throws an outrageous Uh inception like that one, which to Trayvon Diggs, which should have been a pick six Mm. last week. But what do we do in these spots? Six and a half point underdogs. Six and a half points. Like Taylor Heineke. They got the the Heineke. I love that comparison. The upside is there. And you got the variable factor. Variable I mean, twenty-one and nine against mm. the spread as an underdog of three plus points. Henry could ball. Henry's going to have to. The trail on Burks is back, right? Trail on Burks is back. Variable said the key to this game is obviously getting targets to a Conquo and Trail on Burks. Mm. 
That's a little hint to one of my propos bets. The Titans are eight and two straight up and seven and three against the spread over the last 10 games in this AFC South rivalry. I'm taking the Titans plus six and a half now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to. I have to. In these these situations, you have to go with Rabel. It is a Mike Vrabel spot. And I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win the game. I mean, you'll see Jaguars money line and teased all over the shop. All kind of shops will be doing that. Mm. But six and a half points is a lot when you're talking about a Mike Vrabel Tennessee team. And Mm. also the Jacksonville Jaguars, we see weird things in these scenarios. Like This is essentially quite a young group of players. Yes, they've got a lot of talent. But they're, this is essentially their first playoff game. Ever. Yeah, this right. Is Trevor Lawrence's first playoff game in the NFL. This is Trevor Walker's first playoff game in the NFL. They are going to be nervous. It's going mm-hmm. to be cagey. It's going to be one of those atmospheres. And I just think the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel, you just, they love these kind of games. The fact that they're getting more healthy, the fact that Derek Henry got rest last mm-hmm. week is all vital. Six and a half points is just a little bit too many. I'd love seven, but I'll take six and a half. You're painting a compelling picture. Zay Jones has dropped another one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'm i with you. I'm with you, man. I mean, there are loads of people hyping up the Jags, but the variable factor for me, the variable factor cannot back against him in a spot like this. So I'm I'm not going to take them, but I'm definitely not taking the Jags, which I think a lot of people, a lot of people are on the Jags here. So we're leaning. Well, you're taking the the Titans plus six and a half. I'm leaning that way, and I might I might tease them up. Actually, I might tease them. Uh, they mm. might be in a in a nat tease to, you know, kind of nine and a half ten level. I might buy tease them points. up. As, yeah, buy some points. That's exactly it. All right. Looking forward to the game, though. Loving the Saturday night football. That's basically the playoff start there. Is, is it is. The playoff start there. You've got Chiefs Raiders just before it, which I think should be a high-scoring game. The Jarrett Stidham factor coming in in full effect. Yeah, let's talk about that game because it's not on our slate, but it's one I wanted to, to, to mention. Do you like the over in that? I think it's, well, it's 52, it at, right? It was at 50 when it opened. I liked it at 50 and a half. 52 is quite high just because mm. it is Jarrett Stidham, you know, and I think it's easily to get convinced by one performance against the best defense in the NFL, the 49ers. He was slinging it. Mm-hmm. He was very, very impressive, especially in the first half. But I always get scared when you've got a quarterback like Jarrett Stidham, who is a backup. I'm not saying he's a starter in this league. Mm-hmm. They can come out and one week they'll be absolutely sensational. The next week they might fall a little bit flat. And yes, Devontae Adams was unbelievable last week, but I'm not 100% sure that would translate into this week. That one thing that I would lean probably more towards is the Kansas City Chiefs team total over, which is over 30 and a half at this moment in time. And I like that as a bet. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to ball. I think he needs something like 433 yards to uh, exceed uh, Peyton Manning's season passing record, passing Mm. yards record. And 433 yards seems outrageous, but it's Patrick Mahomes and we've seen him do more outrageous things in the past. Isn't it Breeze's record? No, it's Manning's. Single season? Single season record is Peyton Manning's. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I'm going to check. Good ask again. Single season passing yards. Obviously, he's got an extra game. That's the only thing where these things yeah. get a little bit um, yeah. skewed. Yeah, Peyton Manning. I don't isn't think it? it was you spot on me. I don't think it was Breeze. Okay. Um, so that one interests me. I think he's going to ball again. A little hint to a prop bet. Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. will have a big game as well. He's been slightly quiet in the past couple of weeks, but I think yeah. going up against the Raiders, going up against divisional rival, I think Patrick Mahomes will utilize him as much as possible. I think there will be fireworks, but I'm not necessarily sure 52 is quite a lot of points. I think Chiefs will score 30, 31, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure the Raiders can necessarily put up sort of 24, 23. Okay. Let's go New England, Buffalo next. Of course, New England, if they win, are in. Outrageous. The, I mean, oh, how is this Patriots team a playoff team? It's crazy. Ridiculous. Uh, the, what about the Packers as a playoff team, which we'll come back to? Of ridiculous. Course, talk Green Bay, Detroit. Uh, somebody on this show called that. Thank you very much, Propo. The Patriots are in the box seat insofar as Pittsburgh and Miami, the two other teams that could theoretically get the wild card. Miami have the Jets. We'll talk about that in a mo. Pittsburgh has Cleveland, but immaterial what happens in those two games if New England get the win. Big if. What do you think Buffalo's mindset is going to be, given everything we've talked about, obviously, with DeMar Hamlin, but also the seedings and the situation with, uh, with the playoffs? Do you think they're going to be utterly and understandably emotionally drained are they going to be completely fired up it's the patriots 
What Buffalo are we going to see, do you think? I think it will likely be somewhere in between. Like, obviously, this would be a massively deflating week for everyone involved. We can't really predict what emotions each player is going through. I'm sure each of them will be going through a completely different sort of mindset and process mm. as to how to process what has happened this week. We saw Josh Allen give an incredibly emotional press conference today, even, I think, or it was yesterday. Um, and I think they will, of course, be incredibly motivated to go and do DeMar proud on the field and to go and show what this team is. And it's all about in the NFL, how you react in the face of adversity. And I think this mm -hmm. Buffalo Bills team with the kind of characters they have with Stefan Diggs, with Josh Allen, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, who's injured, but still that kind of character in the, in the locker yeah. room, Sean McDermott, I think they will go out and want to prove a point. Yes. They might not have anything to play for on uh, unless obviously they lose, they've got something to play for because it'll be playing for the neutral field, won't it? That's what, if the Chiefs win, then the Bills are playing for the extent to which they can get the neutral field. That's it, isn't it? If they lose, then the Chiefs just get it in Arrowhead. As for, I think that's what the... Oh, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there are so... 62 permutations going into this weekend. I thought I'd just clarify that. So it's an incredibly neutral, confusing weekend. 60, the neutral field is only going to be awarded on the basis that Buffalo wins. Buffalo and yeah, KC okay. win, yeah. Basically, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. so they do have something to play for, but I think what we're going to see is this defense balling out. I think it still hasn't been reported enough how Josh Allen hasn't necessarily been playing his best football in mm. recent weeks. I think he's gone five games below a 90 passer rating in his last eight. I think he still has a little bit of bother with his injuries. And I think this New England Patriots team is excellent on defense. And I think that obviously they get great pressure with Uche. And they have an excellent secondary as well. And they've had one of the best passing defences in the league. So mm. my Drew Lock of the week is going to be the under in this. Is it? Ah, the under's under king of punts coming in, of course, back to basics as you rightly see. 42 and a half. Okay. So, and, and the line is seven, right? So the Bills are seven point favourites. The Bills are seven point favourites. Mm. I realistically um just putting a gambler's hat on at this moment in time you know come sunday that money is going to be flooding in for the buffalo bills that number yeah. will likely move up to seven and a half eight eight mm -hmm. and a half so if you are going to take new england in this spot you might as well wait till sunday because the money's just going to keep coming in for buffalo which means that obviously the the pros and the sharps are all going to be on new england just because mm -hmm. of their capability to keep these games close um i do have some ridiculous stats for you now i've actually collected quite a few this week oh let's hear them. uh so so this one from the game we just discussed, the Jags Titans. Mm. Uh, the Jags are 12 and 26 against the spread as home favorites since 2008. <laughs> Very important what happened in 2011 in terms of what I'm going to bet on this game. Yeah, okay. This one is actually quite interesting going mm -hmm. into this game. And then I've got one you will love uh, after that. Mm. Will Belichick is 17 and three against the spread against the team after losing to them by 14-plus in the previous matchup, and they lost 24-10 to the Bills. Bill Belichick 17-3 against the spread against a team after losing them by 14 or more points in the previous matchup. So this is a spot to take, Bill, if you like that. And then obviously the other game, which we'll speak about a little bit later, but I have to get this in now because mm. I know you're going to love this. Uh, Jay Cutler. The great Jay Cutler. Is 47 and 79 against the spread if you exclude Monday Night Football. Hang on, what? Jay Cutler is what? 47 and yeah. 79 against the spread if you exclude Monday Night Football. <laughs> that is the most random trend. It's on this like random trend website, which I found, which literally is called like football random trends. But I love the way someone has counted Jay Cutler's overall spread. spread record in his whole of his career, but just excluding Monday Night Football. We'll get rid of Monday Night Football. I think he did pretty well on Monday was Night Football. Yeah, was Jay really like, good on Monday Night Football? Yeah, I mean, Jay he was, was really good. I think he was like 10-2 and two on Monday Night Football. So he's like the opposite to Kirk Cousins. I think what you do, the ideal quarterback partnership would just be a rotation of Jay and Kirk. You put Jay in prime time, and then you put Kirk at 1pm on a Genius. Sunday. I love that. <laughs> do you remember Smoking Jay Cutler, the website? That's still going. Yeah, I'm just going to go and look it up and see. I hope they're still keeping it going. You could buy a Smoking Jay Cutler shirt as well uh yeah, i'm not sure the websites yeah they haven't been paying the uh paying the bills for the hosting so that looks like it's gone now but hey we we still remember it nevertheless uh okay so are you gonna take any action in this game my drew log under 42 and a half might oh, take the patriots if it gets up to nine ish but not sure 
Yeah, I, I don't think I'll go near, even though I understand why the shops will get on it if the line keeps going up and up and up. But I think I'll go near that because as we open the discussion on the game, I just don't know what, to what we're going to what to expect. But the under is interesting. And of course, I will back the under's king of Plumpton. Uh, and particularly if it's your Drew Lock of the week. Let's talk Lions Packers next. Because, of course, well, actually, I mean, of course, if the Rams beat Seattle, then this becomes a playing game. If they don't, then the Lions can only play spoiler. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the bottom line, right? The buzz on the Packers has been, well, offensively, they're starting to come together. Christian Watson, we were talking about this over on SBK Edge Rush Extra with Crystal Tom. Really interesting number via and comparison via uh, Elias Sport, Sport, uh, Sports Bureau. I can never say Elias Sports Bureau. I keep stumbling on it. I did it on that show as well. <laughs> Elias Sports Bureau. Uh, so he's been on fire, of course, Watson, right? There yeah. is only one other receiver, Propo, rookie receiver to be precise, in NFL history with eight scrimmage touchdowns over a four-game span. So basically there's one other rookie receiver in the history of the NFL that popped in a four-game span and blew up. Can you tell me which receiver that was? Jamar Chase? Nope. Good guess. Good guess. Uh, Randy Moss? Randy Moss. Nailed it in two. Randy Moss. So high, high praise indeed for Christian Watson from his quarterback. And of course, we all remember how that started <laughs> at the start of the season. But when Aaron Rodgers was asked why the Packers offense has changed what has changed about him he just replied christian one word christian is what he said textbook rogers but, always been religious uh, yeah <laughs> he might have been <laughs> he might have been with rogers it's unlikely but you never know <laughs> so the offense is getting a lot of traction and they're finally as uh, mike and i were chatting about on monday's show finally handing the rock to to jones and dylan and getting it done that way too but it's the defense propo isn't it that is oh. fundamental in there in their return to form. How dangerous. I mean, I joked about it with Mike on Monday. The Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. I, I, do they have a shot if they make it? I mean, oh, the I defense think is starting to ball. They got the defense is starting to ball, but it's so hard. I watched that Vikings game and I was so upset that I took the Vikings because I took the Cowboys against the Vikings in the exact same spot earlier this season, made it my Drew Lock, and I should have done the same thing with the Packers. I should have mm. seen that coming from a mile off, yeah. but I didn't. And I end up looking like a square. And it's hard to really, for me anyway, I'm I'm finding it difficult to uh, read into the way this Packers defense is playing or to look at the capitulation of the opposition and to look at how badly Kirk Cousins played last week, to look how badly Tua obviously played post-concussion the week mm. before that on Christmas. And then looking before that was the Chicago Bears, who obviously are just an absolute train wreck right now. One of the worst teams in the league, one of the worst offensive lines I think I've ever seen in the NFL. And that's coming from a Bengals fan. Um, And it's hard for me to really understand how great this Packers team is until I see them going toe to toe with a team that's on fire on point and is playing good football at this time. Yes. You can argue the alternative route, which is the Packers aren't allowing teams to play good football. This Vikings offense has been balling all things considered all season. They kept just Justin Jefferson to one of his worst games of his career. There has to be something. And yes, Jerry Alexander is one of the best corners in the NFL. We all know that he's got incredible charisma and it was very impressive what he did last week. I think the reason why they have a chance is because the Eagles don't necessarily look quite like the team that they have yeah. throughout the season. What's Jalen going to be like when he's exactly. back? They've got injury issues. The Cowboys yeah. have injury issues and also look significantly weaker on defense than they did earlier in the season. They're trending in the wrong direction. And then the 49ers, yes, they've got one of the best defenses in the NFL, but they're always injury prone. What happens if they lose Christian McCaffrey? What does that do to the offense? What happens if they lose Fred Warner, if they lose Nick Bosa? Mm. So, And obviously they've got a rookie quarterback who was absolutely sensational last week. And the fact that he had to get involved in a shootout with Jared Stidham mm-hmm. is another other thing ticked off for Brock Purdy. One quick thing on Brock Purdy for a stat. Mm. You know, he's got more NFL touchdowns, throwing touchdowns, since he started for the San Francisco 49ers. He's got 10 TDs, which is more mm. than any Jets quarterback since 2019. <laughs> Amazing. 
Amazing. Uh, just a little bit the New York Jets then. But yeah, so... Oh, the re- 28, they're 28 to 1, the Packers. I know, I know. Do you know what? Earlier this week, they were 50 to 1. They've been bet down significantly. So ah. this... Um, I mean, you could have got them at like 250 to 1. I mean, we're talking about two teams who could be in a playing game. The yeah. Packers were 4 and 8 at one point in the season. And the mm. Lions started 1 and 6. And we're talking about a potential playing game. I think that is a slight... Uh, indicator of how bad this NFC is, let's be real. But yeah, that's also yeah. a reason why the Green Bay Packers could potentially make it to the Super Bowl. And once you get to that game, who knows what can happen? All of these teams, all of these star teams in the NFC have weaknesses at this moment. And I think that the 49ers are probably my favorite to go to the Super Bowl right now at the NFC. But you wouldn't say the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, with the stars they have on defense. If that offensive line can stay healthy, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do have a chance. That being said, I could easily see them losing on Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, are the, are the Lions going to be able to put up points because they have to, to give them a, a, a shot because they bleed so many points and they've got, you know, in particular there, Rundy is porous and fragile and all of those negative adjectives and descriptors. And you expect the Packers are going to make some hay on the ground against them, but they, this is the MO for this Lions side, right? They just slug it out and they will keep stacking up points. So they're going to be able, they're going to be able to make it a shootout, do you think? The line is at minus four and a half for Green Bay, over under is at 49. So they the market is expecting points. Dan Campbell is 14 and four against the spread as an underdog of four plus. And this is a very mm. bizarre scenario now where traditionally you would look at this and say, if Seattle win, Mm-hmm. On Sunday, meaning that Detroit have no chance of making the playoffs, no matter the result, you would usually expect that to turn in the favor of, oh, well, Green Bay will win that game because they'll be mm-hmm. more motivated. In this scenario, with Jared Goff as quarterback, with an incredibly young Detroit Lions team who haven't mm-hmm. have that, who don't have that much experience of the playoffs, I actually would be more inclined to bet on the Lions if their sole purpose was just to spoil the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, if the Detroit yeah. Lions have the pressure of essentially a playoff game, yeah, and it's the Lions with Jared well, Goff at quarterback, yeah, I am less inclined <laughs> sure. to believe that they are going to cover that four and a half spread. Right. If they don't, if they just have to go in there, don't really have anything to lose, but they can spoil a Green Come Bay swinging, playoff yeah. run, 100%. Take, I'll Love take it. Detroit all day. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to wait and see what happens. And on the basis that if the Rams win and what the Rams are six point dogs, right? That's yeah. a real hipster pick this week. We were talking about it just before we started recording, right? Rams yeah. plus six is what a lot of sharps seem to be on that. What, what's your take on that? I will be taking the Rams plus six. I haven't been put off by the fact that last week I took them and they were absolutely horrendous. I went <laughs> against Crystal Collins and I learned the hard way that you should never do that. You should always go with Crystal because he is mm-hmm. a sharp. And I went on the Rams and Baker was rubbish and the defense played horrendously. Jalen Ramsey was terrible. They got absolutely torched by Justin Herbert and his receiving court. Elston Eckler had over 100 yards on 10 carries. This run defense without Aaron Donald doesn't seem to be able to stop anyone. But the Rams, they're that team. Baker Mayfield is that quarterback. They're that team right now. I mean, this is people are going to say the Rams have nothing to play for. Mm. The Rams haven't had anything to play for since week 10. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> and, still... and, our, and our boy Cam Akers is coming good as yeah. well. So... And they're still covering spreads. They're still playing hard. I mean, Baker's doing that classic Baker thing where it's one game on, one game off, one game mm. on, one game off. He was mm. off last week. It's a divisional game. Seattle, I think, were pretty fortunate against the New York Jets because of the fact that Mike White had such a horrible game. I think there's going to be points. I like mm. the over in this, as long as the weather's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of rain. It's, yeah, it's over 41 40 and a half. Yeah. yeah. Too low for me. Too low for yeah, me. Yeah, that's decent. That's Gino's going to decent be able to put up points. He, I think he had over 350 yards in the return game in this matchup he absolutely torched this ram secondary ken walker play ken walker will be playing so he should he's had over 100 yards in his past two games so he expects him to have a big game but i also expect cam eggs to have a big game i expect the rams to be able to put up points i expect Mm. mcveigh to put on a bit of a show because it's the end of the season and he's got a chance to spoil a divisional rival's chance of going to the playoffs so as much as i don't necessarily think rams are going to win this game i still will take them at plus six and i'll take the over as well Okay, I like the over a lot here. I'm not so sure about the Rams plus six. I just I think it's dangerous territory, but I like the fact you're playing it because I think there's a lot of upside there. I like it. I can see it can see it rolling in, particularly as you rightly say, this is very much a Baker hot and cold kind of gig, seemingly in LA. And yeah, he's due a hot week. Uh okay. 
why don't we, before we go any further with our slate, seeing as you mentioned, the sharp that is Crystal Tom, back on form, back in business. Why don't we get his Drew Lock of the Week? Oh, we're back, baby. The Los Angeles Chargers ended a frustrating three-week run of tough beats with my Drew Locker of the week with a decisive victory over the LA Rams. With confidence back in the locker, my job is to end the regular season on a high for you and I. My week 18 Drew Locker of the week is the San Francisco 49ers minus 14. This game is going to be more one-sided than last week's man-to-man coverage between Sauce Gardner and DK Metcalf. Just one catch for three yards? Sheesh. The 49ers remain the best team in the NFC by some considerable margin. They have been, in my opinion, since around week 12. They've won nine straight games. In seven of those, they've held their opponent to 17 or fewer points, while also scoring 30 or more in six of the nine. They're closing in on top spot in the conference. It might not happen with Jaden Hurts back for the Eagles, but all they can do is win their game, and I fully expect them to give a beating to the Cardinals, who have lost eight of their last nine and have already suffered a 38-10 defeat by the 49ers this season. Let's face it, the Cards are not going to score many points on the Niners, especially without an injured DeAndre Hopkins, while their defence allows the fourth most points per game. Taking a team with a double-figure handicap is never easy, but the 49ers are way superior to the Cardinals and will be trying their hardest to win while the Cardinals players will be thinking about their off-season holidays. 49ers minus 14. Now, the backdoor cover... I think obviously he's not worried about it, but I'd be worried about it. This is so. This I would group in with like the Dallas game I mentioned earlier. So Dallas, are what are they seven point faves? Dallas is seven point favorites. Seven point faves against Washington. Then you've got Kansas City, of course, in uh, that Saturday game against the Raiders, nine point favorites. Uh, The Bengals is Lamar back? We're not sure at the moment. The Vegas is assuming not because. 10-point favourites against the Ravens. All of those, I would say, are terrifying. And the Eagles is the other one, isn't it, right? Don't know if you're going to have Jalen or not. Yeah. 14 points. We mentioned earlier on the Giants not going to um, have nothing to play for, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to feature their starters to some of it. And even if they don't, 14, I mean, I just don't think I'd go anywhere near that. But Crystal Tom obviously fancies that the 49ers, irrespective of that, just to steamroll the. Is it because the Cardinals are going to put up? What is the team total for the Cardinals points? I wonder. I'm going to have a look at that. Let's have a look. I honestly think it's David Blau, isn't it? Quarterback as well. We're getting the David Blau experience. Yeah. David Blau going up against one of the the number one defense in the NFL right now. I mean, it's just too many points. It's bold from Tom Collins. He is a sharp, but Mm. 14. Final game of the season, Cardinals players playing for contracts. I go back to that thing where the teams who don't have anything to play for always seem to show up a little bit more than expected. In the final week of the season, there's a Projo split in this. The tickets are mm-hmm. on San Francisco. The cash is on Arizona. Ah, interesting. Crystal I can Tom say for the same, the, there's Bronx. more Projo games. Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. all of the cash is on Detroit. All the tickets are on Green Bay. The Cowboys mm. Commanders, all of the cash is on Washington. All the tickets are on Dallas. Jets, Miami. Mm. Same mm-hmm. Jets, all the cash is on the Jets, all the tickets are on Miami. There's quite mm-hmm. a few pro Joe games. The biggest one's actually Atlanta, Tampa Bay. All the cash is on Atlanta at minus four against Tampa Bay. Oh, that's I crazy. I reckon, I reckon. So, I think they're going to play, um, I think they're going to play a fair amount of that. Oh, again, who the hell knows for how long? But uh, there are certain teams, Tampa Bay are definitely one of them. I think Brady's going to want the rep. I think they're going to want the reps and they're going to want to go in with a bit of swagger, build on you know, the Evans connection that we saw, I think, and I think there are a few other teams that are going to want to do that. So I, and Atlanta, really? I mean, Tampa are getting four points. One of the biggest sharp plays of the week. Is Tampa plus four? No, Atlanta minus four. Atlanta minus four is one of the biggest sharp plays of the week. Yeah, a lot of pro groups. So they must know, they must know that the the Bucks are just going to sit everybody quickly. And I think it's also that the Atlanta Falcons always play hard like relatively speaking. And I just think that they must believe that Tampa Bay are not going to start anyone or they'll just be trying to sort of check out a little bit and give some players some rest. But mm. it is interesting. I mean, we need, let's move on to mm. the Miami Dolphins Jets game because let's do it. I just want to talk to, I just want to speak to Nat, not the broadcaster. I want to speak to Nat, the fan. Here we for go. A moment in time. You were championing uh, as much as we've already celebrated your incredible Packers playoff take from earlier Thank in the you. season you, and the fact that they made in one of your, what, 13 NFC teams who might make the playoffs as we discussed <laughs> earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were calling for Tua to win MVP. Yeah. Dolphins for the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
you now rely on the New England Patriots not to win to make the playoffs. Mm. Why have you lost five games on the bounce? Yeah. How are you feeling as a Miami Dolphins fan right now? Well, yeah, obviously gutted, but it's football. Uh, but, it, you know, it is. We talked about the Titans having a really bad run of luck. And I know that injuries, obviously, are something that every team has to contend with. And you can't, um, you can't hide in the fact. But clearly, some teams are afflicted more than others, either by volume in, in the case of, of Tennessee in particular or by specific so your starting quarterback goes down and yeah people will say well look at the 49ers I mean they've managed to run and that's a fair argument and it's testament to to that team and, and to Shanahan in particular that they have dealt with those challenges and and are still as you rightly say amongst the favorites for for the Super Bowl but I do think that the Tua situation has been significant in why the Dolphins are going into week 18 with the destiny out of their out of their own hands. Uh, I, a lot of people are criticizing McDaniel. Inevitably, it's a first year head coach. If you know, if we end this season just outside the playoff picture with the record, I mean, let's assume we beat the Jets but still don't make the playoffs, right? So let's mm-hmm. that actually that'd be interesting. So, uh, by the way, I think Miami will. I, I still I still think we'll make it. So you I, think Miami are going to win and you think New England are going to lose? I think New England will lose to Buffalo. And I, I don't know about covering, but I think they'll lose to Buffalo. And then Cleveland, a lot of buzz about them against Pittsburgh. But it's irrespective of that, even if the Dolphins Steelers win. Dolphins winning in. Dolphins Patriots winning lose. in, right? So I still think Miami will make it. I still think they'll make it, even if we don't. Disappointing, sure, because at one point, we're a Super Bowl contender. I never really fully believe that, I think, if I'm being... If I'm being honest with myself, it was exciting, the style of football. But first year, given the hurdles that have been thrown at us, I, I'm okay with that. I'm definitely behind McDaniel. I think he's, look, I was, you know, listeners know, very much Team Flores. Really, really gutted that he left. Still argue that it's potentially a mistake because as we've seen time and again, when you've got the right guy, continuity is everything in the NFL. It's no coincidence that the Steelers are perpetual contenders. The Ravens are perpetual contenders, you know, when they have such strong, and obviously the, the, the prototype is, is the Patriots and Belichick. So I'd have liked to have had Flores for 10, 15 years as a head coach and built around him, even though his style of football is fundamentally different. Did he get everything right? No, but I think it was a shame that he left McDaniel, I was a little bit juries out when he was hired because two hipster a pick. Is he going to be able to really early on? He demonstrated he can handle it. I mean, handle the pressure of the gig, the scale, the expanse of the gig. Players seem to buy into him straight away. The style of football is brilliant. The progression with Tua, amazing. So disappointed, sure, if we don't make it. Overall, when the dust has settled, content and roll on next season. So you're taking the Miami Dolphins minus two against the New York Jets, are you? The Miami Dolphins the minus two. Skylar Thompson, Mike White Bowl. Is my Drew Lock of the Week. The Miami oh, Dolphins my. minus two is your Drew Lock of the Week. Come on, Miami. I'm going to go big or go home because we have, we've talked about it a lot on the show. We talked about it beforehand. So many games that I just, and as we've talked through quite a lot of them, for example, I really like the Dallas spot, mm-hmm. but I just, I, I just see some. Because Sam Howell's going to start right for the Commanders. Because Taylor Heineke, just a great bloke he is. I saw everyone criticizing him for not being a competitor. He was like, Sam Howell should start this game. I just love Taylor Heineke, man. He's mm. such a great guy. I love Taylor. I think Taylor should start. You know, I just, I could just see some kind of jabby. Last like second backdoors, especially with the way the Cowboys' defense is playing right now. The Rams hipster pick, sharp pick. I just can't bring myself to do that. Baker's mm-hmm. let me down too many times. The other ones we we went through with the double digit favorites. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of Buffalo, Lions, Packers. Maybe the over. I mean, that was on my short list, but forty nine. So yeah, I, I I really like Miami in this spot. I. We were discussing before we came on air, is Teddy going to play? Because there's some rumblings that he might be. As you said, he hasn't thrown it in 
practice all week, so less rather than more likely. But I'm not that that bothered about it. This is I don't think it's a massive drop off between much as we love Teddy covers between Teddy and Skylar in this in this situation. So I'm gonna go Miami minus two as by Drew Lockett. Interesting. Yeah, I like Skyler. He obviously had the highest passer rating in preseason. He's been very impressive in certain situations so far this, mm. league, in this season. Obviously, he was playing in that loss to the New York Jets in New York earlier. But he this came season. in. So that was the game when Teddy got knocked yeah. out straight away. Because it was your Drew Lock of the Week last time. Drew Lock of the Week then. So I'm going back to the well. So, but that's different, I think, because I McDaniel's assuming that uh, and is scheming around mm-hmm. Skyler starting. So I think that's what will give him the edge. The Jets. Oh, look, it's a divisional rival. It's a coin flip kind of game, hence the line being there. But they've got everything to play for the Finns. I, I think they'll want to go out swinging. The other one that caught my eye, actually, if we're looking at Drew Locks the week, is Minnesota. To, for the same reason that I to cover, the same reason that I suggested that Ta- Tampa Bay might want to go in with a bit of momentum. I think Minnesota might really bare their teeth in that spot against the Bears, who no fields, of course, who are going to put up next to nothing you'd imagine. I reckon the Vikings might go go pretty big on and, and cover that seven and a half. It's a difficult line, isn't it? But I could see them wanting to put on a show as they get into the playoffs because nobody's taking them seriously. What do you think about that? Well, do you know what uh, I managed to do on Monday morning? What did you get them at? A pick'em. What? It opened as a pick'em. You're kidding me. Oh, before the, the Fields, fields. News. Yeah, it was before the Fields news. It opened at a pick'em anyway, which was ridiculous. I saw it and I was like, that's insane. Minnesota Vikings have still got something to play for in terms of the seeding. And also they've just been embarrassed Yeah, in front of everyone yeah. against a potential playoff rival. They're going to go out. Justin Jefferson will not want to finish the regular season with 13 right. yards against the Packers. Right. So I agree with you. I think the Vikings could absolutely torch Chicago Bears, especially because Nathan Peterman's playing. <laughs> Oh, it's Nate Peterman, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, Nate, it's my Nate Peterman. God, that could be messy. So, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go with my heart and go with Miami. But I do yeah. like, as my backup pick, uh, backup Drew Lot. I do like the Vikings to cover that seven and a half. Yeah, so zero TDs in the last eight quarters for the Jets. I think the Mike White being the saviour has slightly fallen flat. And I think we will be seeing another new quarterback in New York next season. Now, finally, it is that sharp pick, Nat, that we're talking about. The Pittsburgh mm-hmm. going to Cleveland Browns. Pittsburgh, sorry, hosting the Cleveland Browns. Pittsburgh are minus two and a half. I've already told you that I do like the Cleveland Browns in this spot, but I will certainly be teasing them up two plus seven and a half. I like my teaser of the week will be the Cleveland plus seven and a half, Minnesota minus two and a half. Yes, I already Mm. got them a pick them, but I'll add it in the minus two and a half for all the listeners now. Mm -hmm. I think that it's very interesting, this game, and I don't necessarily, I think this game is going to be won by three points. It's going to be the Cleveland Browns win by three points or the Pittsburgh Steelers win by three points. And that's why I don't like this number. Two and a half is scary to me. I might buy the half, but sometimes there's not much value in doing so. I think it's a very interesting game. A fascinating stat is Pittsburgh is seven and two with TJ Watt and one and six without him, which is a demonstration of just how important he's been this season. He probably would be defensive player of the year if it wasn't for him missing seven games. Nat, big stat for you. Steelers are 41 and 21 against the spread in December and January home games <laughs> in 2000. So you should probably take that into consideration. 22. Very, very important there. that there was a game when Roethlisberger didn't play in 2009. I wonder who would have, um, maybe Byron, there's a Byron Leftwich game in there somewhere, I think. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, it all matters. It all matters <laughs> into the statistics. Yeah. Uh, of course, also one of your favorite narratives of the season Mm. not only to Pittsburgh if Miami potentially lose and New England lose have a chance of making the playoffs but also this game will define whether or not Tomlin goes 500 oh yeah the fi- of course it will I mean that's again a dangerous thing to back against right uh... yeah it is it is but at the same time this team is not very good Tomlin like never got under 500 proper and you're backing against him dangerous yeah well to be fair he Maybe there'll be a tie, so he goes exactly 500. This game could oh, be a tie. Perfect. That'd be a yeah, little, it would be perfect. Love the symmetry. Love the but symmetry. Cleveland Browns, I don't think are very good. I don't think Deshaun Hot Watson. Take. Yeah, <laughs> Deshaun Watson isn't anywhere close to what I think people were expecting him to be. Yes, obviously. He's what a shame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah, I just love saying that. There's a big old smile on my face. Oh, uh, TJ Watt versus Deshaun Watson. I know, I know. But at the same time, 
it's going to be a close fought game. You've got Miles Garrett going up against that offensive line. Kenny Pickett only plays well, and I know you hate him, so you're going to hate Load him. Any praise, <laughs> but... Steelers fans, they don't. This is proper propaganda for proper. <laughs> um, but he only seems to play well when the game's on the line, which is obviously incredible. Mm. He's, do you know what he's like? Is he's like what Ryan Fitzpatrick was in Dolph- in Tours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But instead of like playing Tour for the start, they just play him for the whole game and then he just turns into uh, an incredible quarterback when the game's on the line and puts together a sensational drive. Love it. And one hell of a play. But I love that. And I think there's something to build on there for Pittsburgh fans. And I think they should really enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating game. Do you know what I would probably, and this goes against your Drew Dumb. Lock, I know. Oh God. It, it's my, it is slightly like my, interesting play of the week which Mm. is going into the week where everyone always focuses so much on the teams who have something to play for against the teams don't i think all three of the teams i think uh the patriots the dolphins and the steelers all might lose and i think that's my taylor hanaki yaka (laughs) that's so dark of you to go against my drew lock of the week i didn't know it was gonna be your drew lock of the week but it was it's like in my notes i Mm. i thought about it and it's like Mm. i think in the afc you know there's quite a lot of people putting money on the giants to beat the eagles they think that the giants despite the fact they're not going to play anyone might go and beat the eagles as 40 point underdogs they think they might do like a, a uh, yeah, Jags versus Colts last year. Like yeah, weird right. amounts of money going on money line Giants at this moment. Well, that I guess on the basis Jalen Hurts doesn't play isn't the craziest bet, right? I mean, in terms yeah. of the value there. Because... Yeah, but who's going to play for the Giants? Well, that I don't know. I mean, I, tell me who their fifth string receivers are because I mean, I don't even know their first string receivers exactly. are. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look. I want to look at the Giants. We think we covered them at London earlier. We should know this. Maybe Kenny Golladay is going to come in for a Kenny will come back. Hang on. Let I think he just... needs, I think Kenny Golladay, you know how there's all this thing about, and I'll get this to in my prop bets, but they, mm. there's all these things about um, player incentives going into week 18 and that being like a big focus for prop bet fans. Yes. And I think something yeah. like someone posted a joke one being like, Kenny Golladay only needs like 750 yards to re- meet <laughs> like minimum requirement for the year. Classic. Well, Kenny is... Um... Is going to suit up. Um, Colin Johnson isn't though. He's uh, he's on the uh, he's on the IR. I thought he played up front for Blackburn in the 2003. <laughs> it's the same guy. It's the same guy. My God, Gary Brightwell, of course, the third. Again, he must have played yeah. for he must have played <laughs> for Huddersfield right. Town in 2009. <laughs> They've hired a lot of ex Premier League players from yeah. uh, 2001. Um, who could forget as well? Tyre Phillips, um, wow. the backup right tackle to Evan Neal. Uh, wow, there are some. I mean, the more I look at this roster, the more I realize what a genius Brian Dayball. I know uh, it's crazy. Dayball is all right. So you're uh, taking Mike Tomlin. I am taking. I'm. Ba- I'm. I'm back in Tomlin. I'm back in the Steelers to do it. Yeah. So back in Steelers to do it minus two and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's hear the Taylor Heineke Yaka. For the first time all year, I can't include my Drew Lock of the Week in the Taylor Heineke Yaka as the 49ers are too short on the money line. So it'll be three different teams to put in your parlay this time around. First up is the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Cleveland Browns. Mike Tomlin has revived his side and brought them back to 8-8 eight and eight with a chance of making the playoffs. They're currently sat on the bubble and need results to go their way, but a home victory over Cleveland should be easily attainable. I loved how hard they played against the Ravens last week. Secondly, take the Indianapolis Colts to beat the Houston Texans. Neither team is in good form and they're both the 29th and 32nd best offences in the league, respectively. But the Texans will want that number one draft pick. They've been playing pretty well in recent weeks, but I don't like them to maintain that level of performance here, while the Colts have a point to prove. Finally, end with the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Washington Commanders, who are starting Sam Howell at QB. The North Carolina alumni is a good pocket passer with a desire to make big plays, and that could cause them some trouble against this dangerous defense. The Cowboys have been dominating on offense all year and should win this by at least a touchdown. To recap, this week's Taylor Heineke selections are the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Cleveland Browns, the Indianapolis Colts to beat the Houston Texans, and the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Washington Commanders. You'll get 11-4 to 4 with SBK. I love Crystal Tom. Of course, he's with me on the Mike Tomlin loving. He is going Steelers. Yeah, with him on the Cowboys as well. As I said earlier, I was going to back him, but... Uh covering more i think i think they're one they're one i'll tease down a little bit just to make it a little less terrifying i might tease the chiefs and the, and the cowboys together actually. i just can't believe that and it's good of crystal tom because he's given mm. us now something some interest in potentially the worst game of football 
that anyone might have seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah. There was no other reason to watch the Colts Texans game. How has he? How has he come to a conclusion on who's going to win that game? <laughs> because the Texans are playing for the. Uh, Number, number one draft pick. pick. Yeah. yeah. They're playing yes. the number one draft pick. If you think that has any motivation, I don't think necessarily it will just because Lovey Smith will be fighting for his job and so many of these players will. But at mm. the same time, even with Sam Ellinger at quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, both these teams are so bad that it's so hard to work out what will happen in this game. But credit to Tom Collins for uh, being convincing us to take the Colts. I'll, I'll be back in the Taylor Heineke Yaka. I think he's oh, I will three. Absolutely. Yeah. Who am I to argue against Crystal Tom? Exactly. All right. Uh, let's wrap with the propos. Prop bets of the week. First one, I alluded it to it earlier. Chigo Okonkwo over 23 and a half receiving yards. The one thing the Jags can do is stop the run and you expect them to try and force Josh Dobbs to throw as much as possible. So I like Okonkwo to go over this relatively low number against the Jags team that struggles against tight ends. In the reverse matchup earlier this season, Okonkwo had 45 yards and a touchdown. So I like him in this Mm -hmm. matchup. Again, Travis Kelsey over 76 and a half receiving yards. Kelsey's output has dropped for the Chiefs, as I said earlier in recent some weeks but I do expect that to change going up against a divisional rival in a must win game to seal the number one seed Kelsey has collected over 76 and a half receiving yards in 56% of his games this season and going up against a weak passing D I like my homes to go to his safety blanket Kelsey in this matchup and the last one is more just a bit of info for everyone that player incentives thing that Mm. I mentioned earlier you can kind of take what you want from this info but just looking at the incentives which have been a cash cow in recent years as teams like over try and get players paid on the final day of the season and I think there was once Tom Brady I can't remember who the receiver was he the receiver went up to him and I think Brady was mic'd up the receiver went up to him and she went I need I need two more catches for 100 grand mm-hmm. and Brady just did that Brady wage when I got you I got you and I think he got two catches in the next like five plays or something Legend. so this does happen especially for the players that have good relationships with their quarterback but Khalif Raymond for the Lions needs 50 receiving yards for 250k DeAndre Carter for the Chargers needs two receptions for 100k and 55 yards for an extra 100k. Bills receiver Isaiah McKenzie needs 46 receiving yards for 100k. And Evan Ingram for the Jags needs 61 receiving yards for 200k. I'd like to add to that mm. that I need 10 more comments, uh, 10 more reviews <laughs> in Apple to get paid yeah, for these podcasts yeah. this year. So just, yeah, 10 more reviews on Apple Podcasts would be greatly appreciated. People, a propo has spoken. You've got to have his back. Otherwise, he's not going to see a penny from the NC Show Bank. <laughs> Uh, that is a very good point. Get on the get on the Apple tip. Thanks for the prop bets. Prop O, appreciate that. Uh, Crystal Tom saluting you. Remember, SBK Edge Rush Extra that is available over on YouTube. Go search that. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, and my SBK column will go in there as well. I'm Mike in the vault. I'm back with him on Monday. We'll be unpicking it all, looking ahead to the playoffs. It's Black Monday, of course, as well. So we'll be speculating on who might be out of a gig. Uh, and of course, plenty more besides. We've got J Bell coming up next week, right? J Bell coming up next week. J Bell in the house. Playoff time. I'm back uh, on radio with you Sunday, right? I won't necessarily be on radio this uh, Sunday. You're not with me, are you? This... No, it's because you betrayed me too many times this season. I'm leaving. That's you. it. You know, taste no, of your own medicine. Now scheduling uh, only when that is on that I'm off. So okay, I'll be in studio anyway on Sunday. Talks what two from five o'clock. Prop O. It is a pleasure. Good to see you. Are you going to join us for FFS this week? Uh, well, I was actually just about to speak to you about that. It depends on the production schedule, but yeah, I will. I'm going to say okay. I will. Right okay, now. exciting. All right, FFS will be out soon as well. Uh, good luck. Remember, if you are gambling, be responsible. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. Uh, we'll see you Monday. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.